we sang that song, Have Thy Own Way, Lord. I think that's very appropriate as we look at the book of Genesis this morning. And, um, and the fact that uh, God is reconciling two people groups um, that have hated each other for millenniums, uh, the Jews and Gentiles. You know, as you look at Paul's ministry and Paul's call on his life, God gave Paul a monumental task of bringing these two groups into one. But Paul knows that it's not Paul that's going to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles. It's only the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul has a, uh, has a responsibility to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the truth of what the cross has done to tear down the walls that have been been between these people for all these millenniums. And so, um, you know, it's it, again, it's a monumental task. Um, the 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 Gentiles hated the Jews as just as much as the Jews hated the Gentiles. Um, as we look at Ephesus, this was a Greek culture, and the Greeks uh, they felt they they saw themselves as superior to every other people group. If you weren't a Greek, you were considered a barbarian. Okay. And so that was the Greeks' name for the non-Greeks. And if you were a Jew, then uh, you, you were considered superior. You were God's chosen people. And if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And, uh, and Gentiles were, were worthless. Gentiles thought that um, God created Gentiles just to make hell hotter. All right? If if you were a strict Jew and you saw a Gentile walking down the street, you would avoid that street or cross the street to be as far from that Gentile as possible. Um, Jews uh, would tell the, their people that... Uh, you were not allowed to help a woman who was pregnant. If, if the Gentile woman was pregnant, you were not to help her give birth to another Gentile. And if you had children who, as a Jew, you, they fell in love with a Gentile, you know what those parents would do? Those parents would hold a funeral service. They would, parents would treat their children as dead to them because they've married into uh, the Gentile people. That's how much Jews despise Gentiles. And so here we have Paul writing to the church of Ephesus to people who have had these feelings in their hearts. I mean, they've been offended by the other side. They have done the offending to the other side. 
And Paul is now telling them that as Christians, as followers of Christ, this ought not to be. And so we're going to be in verses 11 through 19 this morning. We're not going to really get through uh, 18 and 19. We're going to postpone till next week. But uh, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 11. Paul says this, Therefore remember at what time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the laws of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us to, to both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what Jesus has done. Father, I pray for individuals here in our service, those who are listening, watching online, that, uh, Lord, is if there is a conflict with another brother or sister uh, in Christ, that, Lord, that they would take your words to heart this morning, that, God, that you would have your way in each of our lives as we Remember all that you have done for us. And so, Father, be glorified. Use this, Lord, as, as, um, as only you can in each of our hearts this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what God did for the Gentiles in chapter 2, that we're going to be looking at in chapter 2, God has done for all of us this morning, okay? If you're a Gentile, if you're not a Jew, then guess what? You're a Gentile here this morning. And what God did for them in the first century church, God has done for us today. And if you're a Jew, guess what? God has done the same thing for you as well. This applies to everyone. Paul is writing primarily to uh, Greek 
Gentiles in, here in this passage of Scripture, but there's Jews whom God has called to himself in this church as well. And Paul is encouraging these groups to be to live out what God has done spiritually uh, for each of them. So uh, we're going to look at three areas this morning in this chapter. Number one, we're going to look at the fact that once we were out, but now we're in. That's in verses 11 and 12. Then we're going to be looking at once we were separated, but now we're integrated. And then number three, we are going to look at the fact that we are one new family that God has made. So we probably won't get to the third point this morning, but let's look at the first two. Once we were out, but as followers of Christ, now we are in. In verses 11 and 12... Paul is describing uh, what life was like before Christ. Remember that at one time, Gentiles, in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. This is describing the Gentiles' life before Christ. They're known as the uncircumcised. And that is not, that is not a, um, uh, a title that... Uh, um, isn't to be encouraging. It is a racial slur that Jews like to use on Gentiles. Oh, they're the uncircumcised. But uh, not only did uh, the Jews use that for the, the the Jews use that for the Gentiles, but the Gentiles use they would label the um, the Jews the circumcised. And so this was a pejorative that was used on both sides, the circumcised versus the uncircumcised. And when Paul writes this in verse 11, he's not thinking kindly of uh, the circumcision at this point either, which he says, which is made in the flesh by hands. Okay, so for Jews who haven't come into relationship with Christ, their circumcision is purely external. It hasn't changed their life. Their heart hasn't been circumcised. They've been merely circumcised by physical hands, and that is meaningless when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here are these groups, two, two groups, identifying themselves with each other. And then verse 12, he talks about uh, life before Christ and how we, they, they, we have been separated both physically and spiritually. It's a pretty sad situation. Paul says that one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We're going to get into that a little bit. Strangers to the covenant of promise. They didn't know the covenant promises that uh, God had given Israel. They had no hope. Paul says, you had no hope and were without God in this world. 
You know, there's a lot of people in this world today who are without hope because they don't have God. And there are a lot of people today who are struggling with depression, with isolation, loneliness, despondency. It's because they don't know God. And Paul says, you, that's the way we all were before Christ. We were without hope, uh, without God in, in this world. It's a sad situation. And we, we learned about that a few weeks before, a week before Christmas uh, as we first got into Genesis chapter 2 as well. Uh, Paul describes uh, our life uh, without God. A look at verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Before Christ, you were like everybody else with a rebellious heart, a hard heart that was just following and uh, obeying the power, the prince of the air. You were sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What an awful situation. And we look at the world today, those who are without Christ, and we see some of their lifestyles and we think to ourselves, what a miserable life. I am so glad that I'm not like them. Well, guess what? One time you were. And God wants us to have compassion with where they're at. Rather than criticize them, pray for them. Love our enemy. Build relationships with the lost. Be concerned about the loss because that's where we were. And so Paul reminds the Gentiles of what they once were. And you know, it's the total opposite of the Jew. The Jew had all the advantages. They were God's chosen people. Paul says, uh, you know, they knew the... the they had, um, they knew God and that God had chosen them. They weren't alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were citizens of Israel. Look at Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 9, Paul speaks to um, what the Jews had uh, in Romans 9. Paul says this in verse 4. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ 
who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. They were a privileged people. The Jews had it all. But in even having all of this, they still needed the peace of Christ. Look at um, verse 17 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Verse 17 says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. Okay? Christ came to preach peace to the Jews who were far off and peace to those who were near. The Gentiles were far off. Christ came to preach to them and Christ came to preach to the Jews who were near. Both people groups needed Christ. Just because Israel was had all these promises, all these privileges, they still needed a relationship with Christ. It wasn't their righteousness. It wasn't their keeping the law that made them acceptable before God. No. They needed to be covered by the blood of Christ as well. And for many Jews, I don't know where the echo is coming from, Frederick, but I don't, can, if you can correct it, maybe it's uh, in my monitors, I don't know. But uh, for the Jews and the cross, this was a huge stumbling block. But like Craig preached last week, we can't save ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That's our memory verse for the month of, uh, of, of January. Are you memorizing it? I hope so. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And I know a lot of Christians say, well, it's my faith because I had faith that God saved me. Guess what? Yes, you need faith, but where did that faith come from? The grace of God. God gives us the grace to believe. And so we are all in need of the gospel. And so Paul, in writing to the church of Ephesus, this oppressed group that has been treated like garbage when it comes to the Jews, uh, for millenniums, Paul is telling these Gentiles, guys, don't cause division. Be unified with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, how in the world do you do that? This is driving me crazy. I don't know what it is. How do you do that? How do you get two people who hate each other to walk together? Well, Paul says... You do it by remembering. Verse 12, remember where you have come from. 
all that God has done in your life. You have experienced his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Just as God has done that in your life, guess what? Now you need to reciprocate it to your enemies who are in Christ. We were all enemies of God at one time, but but while we were yet enemies, the Bible says Christ died for us. And so what Paul is saying here is you need to get over yourselves. You need to stop holding a grudge and you need to let go. You need to forgive. You need to do what God has done in your life. Look at verse 13. Paul says, but now in Christ, you know, you were once this this way, but now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were once separated, but no more. We were once out, but now we're in. We were once separated, but now we are integrated into the body of Christ by the grace of God. We ought never to get tired of talking about the grace of God. It's only the grace of God who has enabled us to be who we are today. We were blind. But in coming to Christ, he gave us sight. Once I was blind, but now I see. He has brought us near through the blood of of Christ. And so God is doing the impossible by bringing the two to one. These people can't do it in the flesh. There is no possible way. It's only by the grace of God that they can take that two people can become one. And so I want to just pause there for a minute. and Maybe you're struggling in a relationship. And you're thinking to yourself, it is irreconcilable. My friend, in Christ, it is reconcilable. But your only hope, our only hope in coming, becoming a Christian was the grace of God. Your only hope in resolving the conflict between you and your brother or sister Christ, your husband, your wife, or your children, whatever it might be, is Jesus. He is the only answer. Now, when it comes to this, um, this integration, again, it was an impossible task on Paul's part. Only the grace of God that caused this to happen. The Jews were all about separation. I mean, if you look at the temple, and we'll get there in a minute, um, they had all kinds of walls. And uh, they were segregated off in, in several different ways, even among the Jews. But 
comes to Christ, he tore down all those walls. But it was not an easy transition to accept, if you were a Jew, to accept Gentiles as God's people. You remember Pentecost? After Jesus ascended, uh, a little while later, the, the, the Spirit of God came and, and uh, poured out his Spirit on the 70, and they began to um, be, they be, began speaking in tongues and speaking everybody's languages that there were there in Jerusalem, and thousands came to Christ. Well, the gospel went out, but guess who the gospel went to? It went to the Jews. It was the Jews that were gathered in Jerusalem. You know, as you read the book of Acts, you read these events and you think that uh, all these events took place over a short period of time. And I don't want to get into a rabbit hole of uh, dates when it comes to Acts and chronology, but the gospel really didn't go to the Gentiles until approximately... Ten years later, when we read Acts chapter 10, this is seven to ten years after Pentecost. And God gives Peter a vision that people are going to come and he's going to be called upon to go to Caesarea and talk to Cornelius' family, a Gentile family. Peter had all kinds of problems with this. Here is one of the the pillars of the New Testament church. Ten years later now, still struggling with the concept that Gentiles are part of God's people. God wants the the, the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And Peter struggles with this, but... Peter obeys. And if you've got your Bibles, look at uh, Acts chapter 10 for a second. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. And just hear the heart of, um, of Peter at this time, as, as well as Cornelius' family. Acts 10, 28. And Peter said to them, to Cornelius and his family. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent... I came without objection. I asked then why you sent me. So, so here Peter is saying, you know, this is so wrong. This is not how Jews conduct themselves with Gentiles. But God is doing a new thing. And God is taking the gospel to the Gentiles. But this was something that Paul, Peter, was struggling with. And... Um, <clears throat> And we think to ourselves, a pillar of the church, a pillar of the New Testament, at this point. 
But this was all part of the change, part of the transition that God was taking the Jewish people through. Um, Look at verses 14 and 16 of Ephesians 2 again. And looking at the hostility. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby by killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So here we see this hostility. And um, and so I mentioned that Peter was struggling with and was 10 years after Pentecost. Paul is writing to Ephesus. Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and it is 30 years after Pentecost. So this idea of reconciliation in one has been a struggle for decades. And Paul talks about um, the the walls that have been erected. Um, Verse 14 again, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Paul knows all about walls. If you look at the, the temple in Jerusalem, there were walls. There was a curtain between um, the priests in the inner court, the court of the priests. So you had, as you go, as you're in the center of the temple, you have the Holy of Holies. Then there's this big, thick curtain that no one is to cross except for one priest, priest, one time a year to make atonement for all of Israel. So only one priest could go behind that curtain one time a year. The other priests were in the the court of priests, and if you weren't a court in the court of priests, you couldn't be in that inner court. Okay, it was only for priests, unless you were a Levite or the family of Aaron, that was reserved for you. And then there was the court of Israel. So beyond that um, court for the priest, there, the outer court, the next next wall was for the court of Israel. And this was for the men of Israel. They could go there and worship God. And then after the court of Israel, there was the court of women. Okay, so if you were a Jewish woman, you could enter this court. But you, if you were a woman, you couldn't go into the court of Israel and you couldn't go into the court of priests. Okay, if you were a man but not a priest, you couldn't go into the court of priests. So there were those dividing walls. But then there was another wall, a section. And that section was reserved for the Gentile proselytes. And this wasn't even on the same level. When you look at Temple Mount, this isn't on the same level as um, where the other Jewish people could go. You had to go down several steps. And there in that court... 
uh, you could worship God. And we're familiar with this because this is where Jesus overturned the tables. You know, at one time the, the Jews were um, just uh, making a killing off the Gentiles by selling sacrifices in the court of the Gentiles. And that was not what the court of Gentiles was, was to be used for. So here you have all these different courts. And so for the Gentiles, if you were in the Gentile and wanted to worship God, it's kind of like going to a football stadium. You were in the nosebleeds, okay? That's as close as you could get to God, that the Jewish people would let you get. But Paul says that Christ has torn down these walls of hostility. Now, Paul knows all about walls. Paul is in prison because of these walls. In Acts chapter 21, we read of Paul taking four disciples uh, with him to the temple. One of those disciples was uh, Trophimus. And uh, Trophimus was a Gentile. And Trophimus went with Paul, but he went to the court of the Gentiles. But there were some other Jews who were on Temple Mount as well. And they said that Trophimus had crossed the barrier that Paul had taken them into the inner court, the the court of the, of the, the Israelites. And that was a lie. But because he was accused of that, Paul finds himself in prison. Um, And he's been there for several years. And now he's in this Roman prison. And the reason why he's in this Roman prison is because of the walls. But Paul is writing and he's telling this church, Christ has torn down every one of those walls by his death by his sacrifice, by his blood. Paul is emphasizing one event that tore down these walls. And that event is the cross. Look at verses 16 through 18 again. Verse 15. The law of the command commandments expressed in its ordinance, he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, peace to those who were near. For through him... We both us in one spirit to the Father. Paul is talking about one event. He's talking about the cross. In order for these walls to come down, there one, there's one wall that started the process. And that was the veil that divided the priests 
from the Holy of Holies. What happened when Christ died on that cross? When he said, it is finished. The Bible says the Spirit of God took that, that veil that was between the priests and the covenant and the Ark of the Covenant and he tore it in two. Symbolizing that there was no, no division between man and God ever again by the blood, by the person of Jesus Christ. And for these other walls, these other relationships that need to undergo reconciliation in our life, for those people to come together, to walk in unity, to walk in love, to be one together, it starts at the cross. It's only the cross that can reconcile people that hate each other. Paul was given an impossible task. And he was just pointing people to the cross. Christ has made you one. We're going to be talking about the family, the family of God next week. Christ has done this. But in order for reconciliation to occur, it's only through the cross. Church, we got a, we got a huge problem in the church today. There's a huge division in the church over social justice issues, and particularly racial reconciliation. We have people in the church today who want you to believe that if racial reconciliation is going to occur, I don't know, I'm having problems with this microphone. Turn me off. Pastors in particular... are telling the other folks that if racial reconciliation is going to occur between between us, you've got to read some authors. You've got to do your homework. You need to read some other things other than the Bible for us to be reconciled. Church, that is flat out wrong. We don't put any other authors on the same level or above the authority of Scripture. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. And Jesus has made the way for people to be reconciled, for the church to be one. We got to go to the cross. Paul says, look to what Christ has done for us. He's done it all. And as you allow the grace of God to humble you and for you to say, I can't carry a grudge. 
I can't hold this. God has forgiven me for so much. How can I hold on to something towards somebody else? I need to forgive. But the only way we can forgive is by going to Jesus. By going into the inner sanctum where God is through the blood of the person of Jesus Christ. We have access to God and he can change hearts. Only God can change hearts. You try to do this reconciliation in the flesh, you're going to fail every every single time. What is Paul telling us in the passage of Scripture? Gentiles in particular, remember the grace of God and what he has done in your life. So it doesn't require any more homework than the gospel. Yes, should we have conversations? Should we try to understand where the other is coming from and and uh, hear their story? Absolutely. But forgiveness and restoration and change isn't going to come from any other book or from any other author. That's man's way of doing things. And it has been, it has been, uh, come out of a godless ideology that's trying to tear down other things that God has given a purpose for. It's the cross. And Paul is very clear about that. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. He's given us his Holy Spirit. There's no more curtain. There's no more wall. There's no court of the Gentiles or court of, uh, of the women or court of Israel, or court of the priests. Everybody in Christ has access to the throne room of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the picture of the church. Church, we need to be unified. We need to love each other. We may not see eye to eye on every single issue, but on the important things of what saves us and what Christ has done and who he is, Those are essentials, and those are things that we must have unity in. So I just want to encourage you. If you've got a struggle with someone else in your life right now, and if you're a Christian and they're a Christian, you're not without hope. 
you have great hope because Jesus has done it all. We need to just seek his face and ask God to humble your heart and do what's necessary to restore that relationship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for the answer to the division that is taking place in Christianity today. So many churches, Lord, are are divided. And uh, it's, it's brought great harm to the church. May we choose to remember all that you've done for us. And God, may it not just be occasionally, but it may it be daily. For without your grace, we can accomplish nothing. Thank you that there aren't any walls between us and you. Thank you that we have direct access through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may that reconciliation occur in relationships that we have horizontally with others. And we'll give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.